Welcome to episode 193 of the All the Books show, recorded at the David A. Howe Public Library, where we talk book news, author news, and literary news, and author interviews. Yes. I'm dot, sorry, dot, that, dot. That was an opening. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely, we do author interviews. We've been very successful lately, I think. Whoa. <laughs> No, I mean having these great conversations. Oh yes, that. Uh, you know, both inside the library and outside, yeah. we've we've had a really. It's been really a, a pleasure to talk yes. to some of these. Eat folks. your heart out, Vanity Fair. Absolutely. Uh, this week we got a chance to sit down with Jeff Gottesfeld, uh, author of many things, uh, many books, wrote for TV and other things. Has a new picture book coming out, so we're going to get into that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But we had a great chat with Jeff, uh, and so I'm excited to uh, let you guys hear that. Yeah. What have and you I'm been Eric up Michaels. to? And I'm Nick Gunning. What have I been up to? Yeah. Uh, You've been running around the exhibition room getting the teen photo That's true, yes. Our teen photography show here at the library. So getting that all ready for tonight. Yeah. Tonight's the night. It's always an exciting time. I borrowed uh, Katy Perry's cheeseburger costume for tonight. Really? No. Oh, (laughs) that would have been great. Yeah. That really would have been great. That would have been cool. It would have been really artful. Artful? It would have. Artistic. Over the weekend, do you want to get into this now, the movies that we watched? Sure. I thought... We're, we're planning to do like a whole... Yeah, we'll, we'll dig into this a little deeper. But right now, the the original four, the Batman quadrilogy, as they're called, mm. uh, is being re-released in theaters to coincide with the new 4K... 80th anniversary of yeah, Batman Yeah, 80th well. anniversary of Batman and then the 4K. Yeah. What do you call that? Restoration? Yeah. Uh, so, so far, we've seen Batman. And uh, just last night, we saw Batman Returns. Woo! So, pretty yeah. exciting. We're going to yeah. talk about this. Once we wrap all of them, we're going to dig into that a little further. Yeah. But this was like... It was nice. It was like... a. Just my childhood, you know. Right. I loved Batman 89, which mm. having rewatched it, I was like, I was too young to have watched that movie, <laughs> definitely. But uh, yeah. I loved it, and I still love it. Okay. All right. Uh, you want to open up the old bookmarks? Yeah, we do. Open up the books to the bookmarks. You often correct me, and you're often right that you don't open bookmarks. You, 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 can't. you can't. I can't remember the last time I corrected you, though. Oh, well, it happens. All right, I'll start because... Do it. Uh, I read the prologue of The Consuming Fire by John Scalzi. What the heck was that? Sorry, it was just some sparkling water. Oh, did you bring any for everybody? I have another one if you want. Oh, no, thank you. Okay, you're good. <laughs> uh, it's fine. I want to keep reading it. I just have not opened it since. So that is not a... No, this is an what? interesting thing for me because... I always associate John Scalzi with you because you introduced me to his work. But you've never read any John I know. Scalzi. I know that. But I always think like John Scalzi, Eric likes him, but I don't think that you actually do. I don't really like yeah. him. <laughs> but he yeah. he provides... Good thing very... we don't have John Scalzi on this Oh, episode. snap. That would be uncomfortable. He provides a very digestible form of sci-fi. Hmm. There Is you that go. a bad thing? No. It, it just means there's enough there to keep me... Uh, interested and entertained and it moves along at a breezy pace even but it's not like um it's not light yeah. sci-fi i guess okay the, like i said with the first book of this the collapsing empire mm-hmm. it feels like it could just be a fantasy series right i remember um, that but i mean old man's war i enjoyed yeah i just it didn't have as much to say as uh forever war or mm. uh starship troopers okay and no i didn't like red shirts yeah, I remember that. And there was something else I read of his that I was like, oh, that's okay. You've read a lot of this man's work, because I guess it's not too part much, of yeah, where but my confusion lies. No, he's, I mean, he's probably one of the better <clears throat> current, like, just, uh, he puts out a lot. Yeah. And the quality is pretty good for how much he actually does put out. So, yeah. okay. I don't know. Well, if you want to talk about yeah. digesting sci-fi, just wait for my bookmark, because mm. I got a big one to talk about. Yeah, you're going to need some roughage. I, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to, and that was a gross joke. 
Oh, really? I thought it was like, it was healthy. It is healthy. You're right. Eat greens. All right, John Scalzi, what else you got? Okay, so because of Avengers Endgame, oh, which yeah. came out. Yeah. Um, I saw that too. I didn't mention it, but I did see it. Yeah. Enjoyed it. Nice. A little slow here and there. Just here and there. Just here just and there. Here, here and me there. Yeah. Out. Okay. But I did enjoy it quite, All right. a, quite a bit. Um, Marvel Unlimited, the comic app I have. We're uh, familiar. Yes. They they put out like a Thanos in the Infinity Saga kind okay. of thing. And I was going through it and it dawned on me, I had never read the Thanos quest, mm. which is where Thanos, uh, written by Jim Starlin, where Thanos gets the Infinity yes, Stones. Yes, yes, yes. I've never read this. I've only ever read the Infinity Gauntlet and then like most of the stuff that comes after that. Yeah. So I was like, all right, this is only like two prestige yeah. volumes or whatever. It's 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 going to be a quick read. I loved it. I saw that. Yeah. It was so good. I wanted to ask you about this. So. Because Thanos in the comics is just so oh, much yeah. more interesting. Less Josh Brolin-y. A little bit it's, more. it's not even that. they In the movies, Thanos wants to take out half the universe because we're running out of resources. Yeah. In the comics, he's in love with death. Which is also the plot to the Dan Brown book, Inferno, but without Thanos. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which one? The comic one or? The comic Thanos. Is in love with death. Yeah, that's like... not the Dan Brown plot. Oh, okay. Plot. The movie the Dan one. Dan Brown plot is about cutting the population right. in half. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so Thanos, he's just he's also just so much layered and smarter in the comics. He's He's not... He he's punchy. He'll punch the living crap out yeah. of you. He'll 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 back up his words with his fist. Yeah. But he he outsmarts everybody. He, death is not in love with him back. So it's an unrequited right. love. Yeah. Um, been there, Thanos. We've all <laughs> been there. And so there's just there's just so much more to the character. Yeah. And well, I will say I think Thanos in the movies is a little bit more like a Bond villain. Yeah. Than like. Yeah. Mecha like Marvel villain. Yeah. But so I don't know that and. Yeah, I, w- I just think comic Thanos could wipe the floor with movie definitely, Thanos. Definitely, he could. Yeah. So and yeah, it's it, the, the art's great. It's just it's just a really good story. So as a Thanos fan, I enjoyed it. I finished. There was a series that came out by started by Brian Wood and then taken over by some other writers, Mark Guggen- uh, Guggenheim, mm-hmm. um, an X Men series. I think this is like volume four of the title okay. X Men. But anyway, it was like five parts. Uh, this is when they put together. An all-female X-Men team. Oh yeah. I so you have that. Storm, Jubilee, uh, Rachel Summers, mm-hmm. Psylocke, Monette, who mm-hmm. goes by M a lot. Miss Piggy, I think, was there. No, Miss Piggy is not an X-Men. She's a Muppet. Mm. But I mean, they're all they're all Disney property now. So Miss Piggy could be an X-Men. Hey. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Anyways, it started good. It it had some decent stories throughout, but there was never it never really had a strong ongoing. Uh, ongoing plot throughout all of it so uh the concept was cool and it's never like meant no one's ever like we're the you know we're the x ladies or anything it's just it's just a book and they're just they're just all there together so it's it's fun um but yeah okay a little disappointing in the end no that's too bad so but thanos what is it thanos quest Thanos Quest, that's yeah. That's off the charts. That was a five-star for me. Uh, yeah. Wow, that's great. That's rare. I mean, Infinity Gauntlet is great. Yeah. Infinity Crusade is pretty good. Yeah, Infinity War is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Marvel The End is also good. I haven't read it. Thanos basically becomes God Look and out. like just wipes the floor with eternity and all these other beings. Look out. Um, basically, 
this is this is really getting into stuff. But in the like early two no th- early two thousands, yeah. Joe Quesada had taken over the Marvel Comics lines. He was now the editor in chief, and he wanted dead to mean dead in the comics mm. because comic books are constantly that's true uh, heroes dying and then they're coming back. Don't and, tell that to Uncle Ben. Yeah, well, that didn't happen. Um, so he wanted dead to mean dead. And so Jim Starlin wrote a Thanos story where Thanos becomes like everything and death and everything. Right. And so he basically destroys the Marvel Universe, just annihilates it, and then brings it back. And one of the rules that came up was that death was more permanent. Mm. And so after that, characters, if they died, they stayed dead longer. A little longer. A little longer. So um, until that like policy was lifted, a lot of characters were just... Out, yeah. out for a while, yeah. which is why, I mean, Jean Grey, she died during Grant Morrison's run in the X-Men mm-hmm. again, but then she didn't come back until like yeah, last year or something. Well, Barry Allen on the DC side of things was gone for like 20 years. Okay. I wasn't talking about DC. Well, if you were. <laughs> uh, so anyways, Thanos. Okay. I give, him, right. I give him a thumbs up. So that, that's it for you? That's your bookmark? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, here are a few things that I read. And okay. it was only a few because one Are you drunk them, uncle right now? Am I? You were just like, here are some things I've read. Well, the so menu on the refrigerator. It's supposed to be just sparkling water. But okay. Anyway. <laughs> uh, I'll stick with comics for a minute. I read Superman, Wonder Woman, Savage End, Ooh. which is pretty much the last thing in New 52 that I will yeah. read. It was one... Yeah. Basically, a big annual with Superman and Wonder Woman that was good, and the rest of it was... And then they things, break up? The rest of it was things that I already read, so mm-hmm. whatever. All, all breakups are pretty savage. You're right. And, <laughs> boy, I finished Battlefield Earth. Oh, my goodness. By L. Ron Hubbard. All 1,000 pages Oh, my of gosh. Yeah, I know. I mean, take... Just, look at that I mean, thing. for the video. Here, take a look yeah, at that, you guys. That's, that's, that's gross. That's a brick. No, it's not gross. That's, that's impressive. Um, wow. I know we... So, we're going to talk about this a little bit. We're going to go a little bit more in depth with Battlestar Galactica. Sorry. Oh, Battlefield Earth. my down the word. Road. No. <laughs> Interesting point, though. Uh-huh. Battlestar Galactica has the complete opposite. No, it has the same problem. Mm-hmm. They both start good. Mm-hmm. And by the end, you're like, really? Yeah. That's what we're doing? Yeah. Sorry. So here's my quick like, two-second review. What does it say? The Saga of the Year 3000. Saga of the Year 3000. Yeah, set in the year 3000. So here's my just my quick like two-cent review of Battlefield Earth. Okay? Mm-hmm. The first, I want to say, 450 pages of this book are pretty rock solid. They're pretty fun. Uh-huh. Okay. You've got, you know, the big evil aliens who are kind of strip mining Earth. Right. And then you've got a plucky hero who mm-hmm. comes out of his village and is like, wait a minute. And right. there's kind of a battle <laughs> of the wills between these two characters, sure. which is really interesting. It's yeah. very good. It's interesting to follow. It's written in a very pulpy way. And we're going to say that that's intentional and not just like that it uh-huh. was clumsy. But if you kind of roll with that, it works. Right. Then there's a big paradigm shift right paradigm. right in the middle, mm-hmm. and it never quite recaptures what it had before. The magic, sure. You know what I mean? <laughs> it becomes a lot more like a political thing. Oh. There's so many different factions and so many different factors going on that it's just sort of like, this is not as dynamic mm-hmm. as the beginning. There's literally 100 pages on the banking system. Oh. Uh, so by the end, it was kind of like... <laughs> First half, probably four stars because I was all in. Right. Second half, uh, probably probably two stars because okay. it's not that interesting. Right. So, you know, I think in the end, if you're if you're a sci-fi fan mm-hmm. and the page count doesn't scare you because mm-hmm. it does move quickly, even the boring right. sections, I think it's written in a way that moves pretty quickly. Okay. You know, I, I think it's worth, I think it's worth picking up. Okay. You I know what? It's worth a read. You know what I find interesting? What? The Amazon cover yeah. online 
uh, you have the big scary guy with the mask, yeah. and then the Conan, bl- the blonde guy who yeah. looks like Conan. Okay. And then you have a girl, and she's shrouded in smoke. Hmm. But on the book cover that you're holding, yeah. it's just her bikini bottom. Oh, there's no smoke. The, no, there's yeah. no smoke hiding. Uh, so Amazon's like, I don't know. Yeah. But the but it's the exact same cover. Oh, so I you'd, see. You'd okay. buy the Amazon book off the site, yeah, like, oh, this is okay, and then you get you're like, whoa. Yeah. So actually, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, I see what you mean. That's oh, hold on. She's uh, the bikini bottom is all she's wearing. Okay. I'm now right. noticing she all is right. a naked lady on the cover. Anyway, and Amazon decided to go with the yeah, smoke Am- cover. Amazon chose smoke. So anyway, I, I do think I do think that it's worth a read, especially if you're a sci-fi fan like yourself. I am a sci-fi fan. I think that uh, I think you might dig it. Yeah. Well, so I anyway. also dig strategically place smoke I, I know on covers. So so Battlefield Earth. <laughs> Right. You know, I'm gonna say I'm gonna give it a three star, three Ooh. out of five. Wow! You know, because for it's it's saying something. A thousand pages. Yeah. You know, and it kept my interest even yeah. when I was like, Ooh, I was still kind of <laughs> like, but I want to see how this plays sure. out. So okay. Anyway, that's that. Uh, those are the two things that I read, and then I finished Battle Battlefield Earth on my lunch break, so I haven't started anything new. Right. So I'm only reading a graphic novel called Titans Hunt, which is pretty good. Okay. DC Comics. It's where the Titans are are noticing that things have changed in the yeah, world. They're sure. trying to figure out what's going on. That's it for me. Nice. Yep. Okay. You want to look at some New York Times bestsellers? Yeah, let's do that. Let's dive let's in. Let's just do that. Let's already. do it. Let's, why not? Quit wasting time and taking names. <laughs> that's a different... That's you don't say the, that. That's not the phrase at all. Uh, I'm quoting a Twitter joke I saw. Don't. Okay. It's always a mistake. I came here to do two things. Okay, go kick, ahead. Kick butt and quote air supply. Yeah. And I'm all out of love. Yeah. I'm so lost without you. I mean, that's funny. Yeah. It is funny. Okay. Uh, shout out to whoever did that on Twitter. Yeah. But I've used that many times. Yeah, you have. All right. Uh, on the New York Times bestsellers list for adult hardcover fiction, uh, the hardest of covers, actually. Mm. Uh, I think they're making them out of concrete now. Wow. So wow. Much, much better than hard. what they've done before. We've, I feel like we haven't done this in a while, so I'm kind of curious to see... I think uh, we did this last week. Did we? Maybe. Maybe they just weren't interesting to me last oh, week. Oh, It's snap. been a while since I've been interested in it. How okay. All right. Don't listen to Nick's lack of interest. Imagine, if you well, will, that his... fine if you want to. ...that he's actually scared to love this list as much as he truly does. <laughs> so he's afraid this list will hurt him again. Yeah. All right. Number 10 on the list is called Machines Like Me in an alternate... 1980s London, a love triangle develops between a couple and a synthetic human. Oh, my. This is Machines Like Me by Anne McEwen. Hmm. So. Uh, well, that's interesting. Is it? We didn't get synthetic androids in our 1980s. Okay. So. You're right. Would you be afraid of a synthetic android? Definitely. Be careful. They're listening. Uh, yeah, I would. I have a respectful fear of them. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Uh, you also fear how much you love them. Yeah. Okay, just trying to protect mm-hmm. you from Siri and mm-hmm. Google when they take over. Yeah. Number nine, back up on the top ten list, probably because the show is airing its last season at the moment, Fire and Blood by George R.R. R. Martin. Oh, yeah. The first volume of the two-part history of the Tigarians in Westeros. Now, there is a Starbucks cup in this book, or how does that... No, I guess, yeah, I guess one of the shots in the episode I just watched had a Starbucks cup, but so I that's, missed it. that's not true to the book. Right, no, oh, okay. I don't think so there's, that a, was added. there's no Westeros Starbucks That was in added the books. for the TV series. Oh. Yeah, yeah. you know, when you adapt something from book no, to screen, yeah. you have to make it accessible to... You lose to, some things, yes. you have to add some things yep. to make it... Yeah, I totally yeah. get it, I totally get it. So, I just wondered if that was yeah. if that was from the... But I understand. Yeah. Um, you know what's funny? about uh, on game of thrones they just had a big battle and everybody (laughs) was complaining that it was too dark to see but i'm like 
this it's a nighttime battle. Yeah. When winter has come in a world without a moon fighting an ice king. Yeah. I just don't know how much light people thought was going to be on, yeah. on, you know? I read, actually, it was originally shot much lighter, and they had to add a darkening effect because the ground was littered with Starbucks cups. <laughs> they were <laughs> everywhere. All right. So they were like, we got to darken this up. Yeah. Number eight, uh, The Silent Patient by Alex McKillides. Theo Faber looks into the mystery of a famous painter who stopped speaking after shooting her husband. Mm. Yeah. Turns out she's always just been very quiet yeah, yeah, in general. I so. so I guess so. The biggest change here is that she just murdered her husband. Uh, hey, you pronounced this author's name differently for me last week. Someone knows by Lisa Scottolini. Scottolini. Uh-huh. A dark secret emerges when Allie Garver returns home to attend a childhood friend's funeral. Well, that'd be sad. Yeah, this is a sequel. No, wait. It's a downer. I got nothing. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm impressed that you knew that. Number six, Normal People by Sally Rooney. Mm. The connection between a high school star athlete and a loner ebbs and flows when they go to Trinity College in Dublin. Mm. Yeah. We had a lot of questions. I had a lot of questions about this last Did week. Did you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did I, you get any answers? Did you read it? No, I didn't read oh, it. Oh, okay. So, uh, this one. <laughs> Number five on the New York Times bestsellers list for hardcover adult fiction. I am intrigued by your intro to this one already. War of the Spark, Ravnica. By Greg Weisman. What? The first book in the Magic the Gathering War of the Sparks series. Oh. Nick, uh, Nicol Bolas, the Elder Dragon, attacks the city of Ravnica. I don't know. How, how did this get on the top 10? That's interesting. There's a lot of uh, a lot of nerds out there. Hey. I know. I always hate when people do that. Yeah. I, I withdraw that. And then that. you did it. I withdraw that comment. Nick's a bully. I withdraw that comment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I liked magic. But no, I mean, I do have a question about this because yeah. there are lots of Magic the Gathering books, Yeah. right? I guess so, but... I mean, they're paperbacks. And I, yeah. So why... Oh, I, I don't wonder, know. like, why now it's, like, getting a lot of... Well, I Star I kinda, Wars was just on the list, no, too. No, I know, but I guess I sort of thought Magic had kind of... Was over its hump of popularity. Is it not? No. Is it still right up to... No. Okay. I, I almost feel like Magic's oh, as popular as it's ever been. Okay. So there was a big cheating scandal recently. Really? Somebody had, like, dented their the corners of their cards. Ah! Uh, and it nice. had been very minuscule, but yeah. people saw them, and there were pictures of them all zoomed in and everything. Wow. So... Wow. Yeah. Number four, Lost Roses by Martha Hall Kelly. In 1914, a New York socialite, Eliza Faraday, works to help white Russian families escape from the revolution. Um, remember last week when I said the whole thing about Faraday from the comics? And you're like, yes, who is that? I had to look it up. Yeah, yeah, that was painful. I do know now. Let's not relive it. Would... Number three, Redemption by David Baldacci, the fifth book in the Memory Man series. The first man, Amos... What? The first man Amos Deckers puts behind bars asked to have his name cleared. Sometimes sentences start out in a way that they confuses do. You me. Don't know. I thought Amos Decker was the first man. The first man. No, he's so, not. Yeah. And then I was, I was trying to figure I out. that was Adam. <laughs> so, so this is the first man he put behind bars the and he man, wants yep. his name cleared name by cleared. the memory man. Memory man. Yeah. So I, I, I do remember this because I didn't have kind words to say about Baldacci last mm, week. Yeah. And he remembered. I don't know. I mean, I, Amos I know. Decker does anyway. Clean it up. Neon Prey is at number two by John Sanford, yeah. the 29th book in the Prey series. Lucas Davenport goes after a serial killer. These there bo- you go. These, these books are rough, let me tell you. Yeah? There's a little too much. A little too much for this guy. Too much what? They're just kind of grisly. I, I don't know. I don't like them. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. All right. Well, number one oh, Ooh. is uh, Delia, or De- Delia Owens. Delia? Boy, oh, yeah, yeah. I've been saying this name for how many weeks now? Yeah. According to this, 34 weeks I've been saying 
Delia Owens, and I can't get it right. I think it's been longer because I think it dropped off for a mm. while and then it resurged. Well, where the crawdads sing is at number one. The Reese with Reese. I can't say Reese either. You said it. Oh, okay. You Reese Witherspoon's there. book club pick. A uh, woman who survived alone in the marsh becomes a murder suspect. I can't speak on this book myself, but again, my wife read it and loved it. Yeah, and actually, we it's impossible to get. I mean, it's so many holes yes, on it. Yes, she was so on we, the list for a long time. Yes. So we also have an audiobook copy now. So if you're local or a part of the STLS library system, you can put hold on it and we'll send it your yeah. way. Because the digital copy of that is mm-hmm. like, forget it. Also, if you're like in California, you can just go to your yeah, local you can go library. Yeah, to your own library. Yeah. yeah actually, if they, have to, if they have to do interlibrary loan, there's a chance you get our copy. Yeah, it's true. Who it's knows? possible. It's possible. You know what I will say about Battlefield Earth? Uh-huh. Very pro libraries. In this oh, book. okay. Yeah, big part of it. Nice. Big part of it, discovering old libraries. Yeah. You know what other thing is big uh, into libraries? What? Uh, the Day After Tomorrow. That That's Dennis true. Quaid movie where the they, hide out in a, they hide out in the library. Jake Gyllenhaal. And Here's what always cracks me up about that. Okay. It's bad? It is bad. <laughs> it is bad. Uh-huh. But they're trapped in the library, right? Uh-huh. And they're trying to like survive. And they have this big dilemma, like, what kind of books do we burn? Mm-hmm. Do we burn tax law? Mm-hmm. Or do we burn like smutty romances this right. is whole conversation and i'm like people you are surrounded by heavy oak furniture i don't think yeah. the pages from the paperback book yeah but that's only one thing yeah. also wolves are on a russian ship that crash into the harbor yes. and then wolves are just loose in yep. new york city so yeah you know but yeah. one time dennis quaid falls uh into a wendy's so mm, that's true anyway yeah. so this has been brought Plus, to you by the day after tomorrow <laughs> yeah libraries also have newspapers and magazines yeah it's true you just burn those if, yeah i mean, I mean don't <laughs> paper does not burn very long no yeah it doesn't you burn very hot but yeah anyway tax returns though those do the tax law books they'll burn law. for a while they will depending on the hardcover they'll come back they'll yeah. come back for more as well did we finish the new york times bestseller last we just Delia did Owens Delia Owens made it to the, the card ad thing oh you know what that means it's spotlight time Boom. You just yeah. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> ben Lehman, musician extraordinaire. That's the most haunting of our themes, I think. It's it's a little it's a little spooky. Yeah, yeah. It's a little spooky if yeah. I'm being honest. All right. Well, as we mentioned at the top of the show, this week we we're fortunate to sit down and have a chat with Jeff Gottesfield. Uh, so if you're not familiar with Jeff's work, let me give you Watch a the little... first season of Smallville. Absolutely, absolutely. He so. was a staff writer for Smallville in the first season. I like the first season of Smallville because it's just it's just so it is very freak of yeah. the week, but it has no idea what show it's going to become. Yeah. So it's just it's a strange little piece of like I don't know, it's a time capsule yeah. of the CW of like, what are we gonna do for a Superman absolutely. show? And it's absolutely. it's just kind of Buffy meets Dawson's Creek. Yeah. Yeah, so. I think you're absolutely right. And actually, we'll get into that a little bit on the tail end yeah. of the interview. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't let him get away without talking no. to me about yeah. Smallville for a little bit. But anyway, Jeff Gottesfield is a, a screenwriter, a playwright, and author of many books, uh, several works on uh, Anne Frank. One of them here, uh, The Tree in the Courtyard, is excellent, excellent picture book. Um, many things in our collection here and throughout our STLS collection as well. So if you're looking for his work, we can certainly set you up for that. We were talking mostly this time about his new historical picture book that's coming out, No Steps Behind, an Immigrant's Battle for Women's Rights, uh, written by Jeff Gottesfield, illustrated by Sheila Wintanto. Uh, that was, that was I really enjoyed reading that. So mm-hmm. it was, it's not out for a while. We'll have it when it comes out. But uh, I think we'll let Jeff tell us about it himself. 
Today, Eric and I are joined by author Jeff Gottesfield, and we've got a few questions for him about his new picture books and a few other things. So, Jeff, first of all, thanks for taking the time out to talk to us. Oh, it's a pleasure. Believe me. Oh, great. Well, uh, we have in our collection your, your first picture book, The Tree in the Courtyard, the, which follows yeah. Anne Frank's story and, and the, the history of that tree, which is fascinating. So I, I thought that book was excellent. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And now uh, it, was, it was a real privilege to get, the, get an early peek at your new picture book that you have coming out, uh, No Steps Behind, which follows another historic figure. And I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about the book. Oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's one of those remarkable, impossible stories that I learned about literally reading this woman's obituary in the New York Times. I mean, if you can imagine a girl raised in Austria in the early 1920s, then her family moves her to Japan, and she grows up in Japan and learns to speak absolutely perfect Japanese. Hmm. When she's old enough to go to college, she can't go back to Austria because she's Jewish mm -hmm. and she can't go to school in Tokyo because the universities are not taking young women and certainly not foreign young women. Right. So her parents sent her to Mills College in Oakland, California. And it's an all girls school and she sees a glimpse of how a school could treat women in a different way, because Japan is a pretty sexist place sure. in the 1920s and 30s. Um, she's at Mills. Pearl Harbor happens. She gets cut off from her family entirely. She goes to work for the American War Department while she's at Mills, translating radio broadcasts because the United States has basically put all its Japanese speakers in internment camps. So Beate is one of the 60 Japanese speakers on American soil who's not Japanese. Um, Tokyo is firebombed. She has no idea if her parents are alive or dead. The war ends with the atomic attacks on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. She goes to Washington, talks her way into a job as a translator with the occupation, gets sent back to Japan, finds her parents alive, and then General MacArthur, who is in charge of the occupation, puts her on the committee drafting a new post-war constitution for Japan. Because of her experiences in Japan and her understanding of how rough Japan was on women, she writes an equal rights and family protection clause into the new Japanese post-war constitution, Japanese finally agree with it, and at the age of 22, Beate's efforts have made it possible for Japanese women to have more rights under their constitution than American women have now under the American constitution. But that's not all. Then the story is a secret for 40 years. Yeah. Beate comes back to the United States. It's a military secret. Uh, the United States doesn't want Japanese to think that the United States have anything to do with their new constitution. The Japanese don't want that either. The story breaks in the mid-1990s. Beate goes back to Japan as an old woman, and she is mobbed in the streets by Japanese women. She is a heroine there. There's concerts in her honor. The Japanese government gives her a major reward. There's books about her, articles about her. 
a play about her, a movie about her. This is really one of those remarkable cross-cultural stories where everything had to align in a way for this to happen. And it did. I mean, her Japanese was perfect. I, you know, it's just one of those things that when I was when I was reading this, I just thought, how how have I lived this long and like never heard this story? You know, I mean, it's a fascinating story, start to finish. It's it's um, it's almost cinematic. It's so it's so unlikely yeah, it's even the things that happen. It's, it's like stranger than fiction. You know, movie waiting to happen. Absolutely. God will have the energy to write it sometime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I have a question about. How do you take a story like uh, Beate? Is that how it's pronounced? Yeah, Beate. Yes. Okay. How do you take a story um, like hers that involves so much of the destruction of World War II? Um, you know, in her going home, and you have to explain what happened to Japan, and you you do the same thing with uh, the tree in the country. How do you take these important stories, but there's a lot of darkness around them? How do you take those and I guess make them accessible for the picture book age? a great question i wish i had a simple answer to it <laughs> what i what i can tell you is i did an incredible amount of research okay and, and i wrote a ridiculous number of drafts right both for the tree and for for this one the tree in some ways was simpler okay. um than than Beate's story and then once i wrote it yeah i know what i don't know so I had many, many sensitivity readers and cultural consultants read it. I mean, this book has been vetted backwards, forwards, sideways in every direction. And if there's any key to it, it's that, you know, books like this, they're a, they're, they're a mix of, of words and art. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, the art can do things that words can't do. Okay. So well, if I can if I can undertell it a little with my words and then pray that the artist is going to add these additional elements that need to be added, um, that's when these things work. And I happen to have a uh, my publisher found a fantastic artist for right. Facebook. She's perfect. And uh, and she killed it. She was great. How much of bringing it down to the picture book age then is on her? A lot of it. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of it. I mean, I have to, I have to write my text carefully. Obviously, mm -hmm. I have to figure out what I'm going to leave out. Mm -hmm. Then much is on the artist. I can tell you that for my work on the tree in the courtyard with Peter McCarty, mm -hmm. we did not have, we didn't have a conversation. Oh, okay. Through the process not at all i got one question from him transmitted to me by my publisher mm -hmm. i answered my publisher and peter and i were not in touch until after the book was published okay with with sheila it was not much different from that we had a little bit of research uh back and forth i'm working with a smaller press on that book so there was an opportunity i think for a little more contact Okay. But largely, she took it. You know, she took it and she and she ran with it, okay. and she she nailed it. Well, what is it like then to, uh, if you're not working back and forth with them, what is it like to get the maybe the final or at least the proofs and see 
your words in art for the first time. It's fantastic. Look, <laughs> I have a, I have a book. I have a first, especially when you're not an artist, right? Which I am not. You know, it's <laughs> like that is far, far out of my ambit. I have a book coming in 2021, which is called 21 Steps. Okay. Uh, and Candlewick is publishing it, and it's about the tomb of the unknown soldier at Arlington National Cemetery and the tomb guards who guard it 24-7, and it's all told from the perspective of the first unknown. Mm-hmm. And Matt, Matt Tavares is the artist on it, and I just saw his sketches right. for the book. And they are breathtaking. <laughs> That's, yeah, particularly when it's something you could not even dream of doing. Right. So that someone is going to take this amount of time and, and, and be so careful to do illustrations for something I've written. I'm just dazzled yeah. at it every time. It's just, it's just dazzling. <laughs> uh, these, these artists, these artists are great. Right. Great. And Watanta, Watanta's story is amazing because, you know, she's Indonesian uh, and that country was occupied by Japan during, uh, during, during the war. She came, she came to the U S six years ago to attend school at the San Francisco Art Institute. I think that's what it was. And she got a green card five years ago. And then her green card came up for renewal this past summer, right right after she finished the art on my book. And the current administration would not renew her green card. And they told her she had two weeks to leave the United States. She's back in Jakarta now, which is astonishing. Yeah. You know, and, and and really sort of poignant considering what this what this book is about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what's interesting to me, looking at your bibliography, I mean, you you have you have such a variety. You know, some some of the stuff as what we've been discussing today is you know it's heavier, it's serious, it's historical. I want to ask you a little bit about some of the the more lighter things you wrote for some younger kids. So, Eric, we're both familiar with your. Uh, some of your some of your uh, middle grade level things like uh, the love mints or uh, too many dogs that sort of thing. Yes. Tell us a little bit about oh, what my... it's like writing those. How what's the difference? Gosh, do you know the, you know those books? Yeah, I've got. I'd love that. Um, <laughs> so, so well, I have a serious question about those in a minute, but go ahead. I want to hear. So you know, here's here's the thing. Um, you probably grew up reading. Eric probably grew up reading. I grew up reading. I read for fun. Oh, yeah. And, and one fun book led to another, led to another, led to another. There was nothing more fun, nothing more fun than reading. Mm-hmm. And what I think happens too often now is that too many kids don't grow up reading for fun because they don't really have books to read for fun. And you've got a significant cohort now uh, in America, I would say probably in the world. Mm-hmm who are reading below grade level. Okay. So when Saddleback asked me to do these books, they, they gave me a specific mission and, and it just seemed great to do. Uh-huh. They said, come up with stories that are going to be interesting for a fifth grader, but which could be read by someone at the end of first grade. Mm-hmm. You know, better at a simple reading level so that the, the reading level doesn't get in the way of the story. 
And I just took that as a challenge. Yeah. I mean, uh, so, so, you know, I spent my life plotting stuff, sure. you know, plotting out, plotting out these stories was, was not hard for me. I mean, you write it up, you spend enough time writing soap operas as I did. It's not <laughs> hard to write a story. So I, you know, so I'd come up with a story and then I had to figure out a way to tell it with a really simple vocabulary. Yeah. And that's what I did with all those red rhino books. And they're pretty, they're pretty popular. They're well, getting I think, you know, just from a professional standpoint, I mean, Eric's our teen librarian, but we, we often find that there's this kind of, this is middle area where it's like the kids a little more advanced than, you know, you, like a little critter or a Berenstain Bears or something like that, but not quite ready for that next level up the big chapter book. So I think that this series that you did kind of fills this little niche that people are looking for books in and there's just not a lot. Yeah, I, I love it. And the idea is that the kids can have such a good time reading one. Yeah. They're going to go on to another and on to another. And, and then their reading level is going to get better and they're going to move on. Yeah. But, uh, you know, for, for better or for worse, I'm not sure that there's enough focus mm. on sort of that bottom 50, 60 percent of readers yeah. um, in the books that are being turned out. They're, they're not designed to win awards. They're just designed to get kids reading. Which is so important. I mean, you, you never get to those sort of award-winning level books without some sort of middle ground. You know, that's that's I, crucial. I can't agree. I can't agree more. Yeah. So it well, was super fun to write this. Well, that's good. Well, I have to ask you, why'd you kill the cat in Cat Whisperer? No, oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> I don't know. It made a better it made, it made a better story. You know? No, well, I was certainly no, surprised. I'll tell you that. Yes, I, re I remember that book. So what was funny was that I uh, I learned some things as I'm writing this, mm -hmm. and what I found was there's like vocabularies yeah. for certain kinds of things that are easier, and vocabularies for other kinds of things that are harder, like the language of romance is actually fairly sophisticated. Hmm. So there's only so many ways that you can say the word love right. and keep it simple. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these books, are, I tried a romance and then it was really hard to do. Hmm. You know, so books like, books like Killer Flood and The Code, you know, Cat Whisperer that are, that are sort of more action-oriented, yeah. those, those tended to be easier. Okay, interesting. Well, I, I couldn't I couldn't let you get off the mic before I ask you these next questions because, you know, I'm a huge Superman fan and this Great. was my first introduction to your work would be Smallville. So I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about your experience writing for the show. Yeah. Um it was I wrote for the show during its first year. Mm -hmm. And it was highly pressurized. Really? Was, yes, because the the network at that point, they needed a hit. Sure. They needed a breakout show. Oh, yeah. And, and this show seemed to be that breakout show. Yeah. So... See, maybe the first every, show they really got any traction on. That's right. They got huge. They got a lot of... Well, they had done Dawson's Creek before. That's true. But you know, that, Dawson's had sort of come to the end of its, yeah. the end of its line, and now, now, we're, do, now we're doing this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you're doing a show that has a lot of mythology. Absolutely. But our mandate for the first year was to write 
I'm going to quote it because uh, it is seared into my memory. We were told to write a closed-end action show with emotional underpinnings. Mm-hmm. It means that each episode was supposed to stand on its own. Right. And, you know, we were not writing something that was serialized yeah. at the beginning. It got more serialized as the show went on and moved mm-hmm. into three, four, five, six. Yeah. But one. Yeah, there's a clear not- change there where it moves from sort of episodic to a more long, long storytelling. Exactly. So, but the, the first year was, was, was not, we were, we were described as, you know, freak, freak of the week. Yeah. yeah uh, I remember that. On each episode, and it was not so easy to come up with these. Yeah. Um, and we were scrutinized. We were scrutinized carefully by by the W by the Warner Brothers Studio, uh-huh. and then also by the network. And they are separate. Yeah. So okay. There were a lot of notes. Really. There were a lot of notes on outlines. And there were a lot of notes on scripts. Okay. Um, it was not as much fun as you might think that it could be well it sounds downright stressful it was it was really stressful it was a stressed out writer's room and uh we all we all worked we all worked very hard but i will say this about tv in general um tv is pretty stressful mm-hmm. um even when i was even when i was writing for young and the restless you know there's a lot of pressure and honestly there's a lot of people who would really love your job oh yeah so TV is a, it's jealous. Mm-hmm. It did wants you have, your time. Did you have more freedom uh, writing the, the novels that you wrote along with Sheree Bennett? Did you have a little bit more flexibility oh, on how yeah. you use the characters? Yeah, absolutely. Because we had unlimited budgets. You're right. <laughs> and, you know, stop it, you know, stop and think. Look, and, and remember this, you know, the days of Smallville early on were the days before peak TV. Mm-hmm. You know, Game of you know Game of Thrones now you know a seven million dollar budget for an episode. Oh yeah, that's not crazy anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And early days of Smallville were not seven million dollar budgets. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember people got you know even somewhat apoplectic at at you know two point five million mm-hmm. for an for an episode. But when you write a book, you don't think about budget. Yeah, you, know, you, just, you just tell the story however yeah. however you however you want to tell it. So, yeah, that was fun. Well, what stands out to me about the ones that you did write was that they they had more of a focus on social issues than the TV show ever really did or even the other novels in the series. I'm thinking specifically of, like, Speed, where in that book you guys tackled racism and the racist yeah, that's culture, right. which is that's right. nothing they even touched on the show. So I just I wondered, is that... I mean, it makes sense, given the work that we talked about earlier in this interview, some of your more serious, hard-hitting stuff, where clearly you're invested in, in some of these social issues. So I wonder if that's that was kind of your driving force in getting that into those novels as well. It was, it was certainly an opportunity, and we were, you know, we were able to do it because there was actually less scrutiny from yeah. DC Comics on this. I mean, oh, really? it wasn't... Yeah, and it wasn't for lack of... I mean, DC was... They had a very good editor. They were game, so we were good. We were good to go mm-hmm. with uh, with this. It wasn't for lack of trying during that first year uh, at Smallville. Uh, mm-hmm. We, you know, tried a little bit on the uh, on the social side, but um, I could never push a story through yeah, yeah. that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which was look. Most TV shows would be glad to be as unsuccessful as Smallville was, 
thing ran for what ten seasons? Ten seasons, yeah, hard to believe. <laughs> they were they were right. I was wrong, but we 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 did try. We did try. Well, that's good. Well, listen, Jeff, you've been really generous with your time, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Uh, can you tell us when No Steps Behind will be available? Yeah, it's uh, it's going to come out. I think we're a year from March of twenty twenty. We were originally scheduled for December of 2019 and then decided as a team that we wanted to do a different kind of cover for it. And so the cover art is now being reconceptualized. And with Sheila in Indonesia, um, it's a it's a little bit it's a little bit trickier. Yeah, but I have. Yeah. So I have that book coming in early 2020. I have a book called The Christmas Mitzvah, which is also based on a on a true story, which comes late in 2020. Same and then, uh, yep, Is it also same, all, okay. also, also a picture book. Okay, yep. all right, great. Picture book, and then 21 Steps comes uh, to coincide with the 100th anniversary of the establishment of the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. Oh, That'll be in like October, November 2021. Oh, that's great. And if people want to find you online, where's the best place to do that? Oh, Jeff Gottesfeld Writer is my is my website. It's it's easy to find me. Okay, great. Well, thanks again for talking to us. It's been great. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Keep up the good work, guys. All right, thank you. Bye bye. All right, be well. All right, and we're back. We are. Thanks again, Jeff, for taking the time to sit down and talk to us. Uh, you can find Jeff online at jeffgottesfeldwriter.com. Of course, he has a Wikipedia page. It has a lot of useful information on there. Um, as I said, many of the books that, that he's written are in our collection, or we can get them for you through some of our partner libraries. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new book coming out later in the year, we're certainly looking forward to that. Uh, it was it was a good read, mm-hmm. excellent illustrations, um, and just a really fascinating topic. I mean, yeah. it's just a story that I knew absolutely nothing about. Yeah. And when you consider its importance, that's kind of surprising. Yeah. That, like, never has that well you're quite ignorant huh do you think that's why yeah hmm. anyway listen it's, i it's i had never a, i didn't know about it either. i know, I know. <laughs> but it really is i mean it's a fascinating story yeah. so uh dig into that a little bit more if you're interested and we'll have the book as soon as it comes out yeah. uh let's talk library news oh my goodness what do you got coming up you can finally like rest easy now that the teen photo show is over that's true but now we got to start revving up for the summer, summer reading, reading program, program but which is a little, what? we all got our matching T-shirts. That's true. So we got matching it's T-shirts. Be T-shirt day Friday here yeah. in the library. Eric's real excited. Yeah, we have our kids hang out on Tuesdays at 4. We have our teen night on Wednesdays at 5.30. Tomorrow, we're showing Dragon Ball Super Broly. Oh. And then next week, we're watching My Hero Academia, Two Heroes, or whatever that movie's called. Okay. So uh, the kids were excited. I mean, they mostly play Smash Brothers now. Yeah. So Smash Brothers has their heart Good stuff. and soul. Uh, Never got into that game. Yeah. Smash Brothers? No. Yeah. Sorry, man. In the auditorium this week, Thursday the 9th, we have a duo called Crimson. They were Ooh. here last week, and they were excellent. And it was, it was Did a you bad... mean last week? No, I meant last year. There you go. They were here last year, and it was excellent. Yeah. It was like a bad weather night. We had a low turnout. And so it was a shame that more Wasn't people didn't get to Wasn't it a lot of snow? Yeah, because yeah. they really they were excellent. Because so we, we live in Narnia. We got them right back on the calendar, yeah. so they're here again. So uh, come and see Crimson, 7 o'clock in the auditorium on the 9th. Yeah. Our senior matinee this month is Inspector Clouseau, which is one of the Pink Panther films. Yay. This one's starring, starring Alan Arkin, whom I love. So oh. check that out on the 28th Yeah. Uh, at 2.30? Don't make up things. Out? All right. All right. Uh, the book club is currently reading Neuromancer by William Gibson. William Gibson. Which Eric has read before. Didn't like it. I didn't like it, He's but I think I, I think I was in a bad, uh, not in the right headspace for it. So Listen, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into it now. What it's got to be better than Artemis. 
Yes, it is. That book was a turd. Oh, snap. Sorry. Well, on Goodreads, I think I gave it like two stars. Did you? I'm hoping to bring it up to at least three. Oh, Neuromancer. Yeah. Okay. So we'll see. You think you were just too young when you read it, or you just well, it was only like five years ago. But no, yeah, I think time. I think I had a different uh, idea of what I was going to be reading, and then I was just not in it. And it was a it was a weird time in life too. So I think I just wasn't committed to it. Okay, so I'm gonna right. do it this time. Well, we're looking forward to that. And then after that, we just have one more in this cycle. Uh, we're going to be doing Leviathan Wakes uh, after that. So yeah. if you're a fan of the Sci-Fi Book Club, come join us, and we'll yeah. hope to continue that on in future years. Yeah, or share your thoughts on these books with us on Twitter Absolutely. and or Facebook. Yep. So we're All the Book Show on Twitter. David A. Howe Public Library on Facebook. You Woo. can email us at wellsville at stls.org. Yeah. Uh, and take a moment to write a quick review. It helps people yeah. find out about the podcast. That's true. You can share and subscribe to us. Basically, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, Google Play Music, uh, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Mm-hmm. Blockbuster really. Video, I think, has us. No, we, we tried. Oh. We tried to get Blockbuster oh, Video, okay. but it, it turns out they're, um, they're gone. Oh, I don't think you mean gone. Yes. Yeah, actually. Blockbuster's gone. The video chain blockbuster. Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, every Friday night it was a huge line, so yeah. I doubt that. Uh, quick question: When yeah. was the last every Friday night for you? I don't get there very often. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? So yeah, you and the rest of America. I mean, why would you? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Sure. So anyway, uh, so you can't find us on Blockbuster apparently, but you can find no. us everywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks for tuning in. Our thanks once again to our author interview this week, Jeff Gottesfeld. Uh, looking forward to the new picture book. We'll keep our listeners posted on when that comes out. Ooh. We'll have a copy here in the library. Thanks again, Jeff. Eric, as always, thank you. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.